Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. HousingWire Daily examines the most compelling mortgage, real estate, and fintech articles reported from the HousingWire newsroom. Each afternoon, the HW Digital team provides our listeners with a deeper look into the stories that are helping move markets forward. Hosted and produced by Alcina Lloyd and Victoria Wickham. And now, here's our host. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Victoria Wickham, and this is Housing Wire Daily. In today's episode, HW Plus Managing Editor Brenna Nath joins Managing Editor James Kleiman to discuss the biggest topics coming across the Housing Wire news desk. The pair review Kleiman's recent article that discusses wholesale lender HomePoint's filing for IPO and digs deep into the recent announcement of guaranteed rates acquisition of Stearns Holdings and what this could mean for the mortgage company going forward. But before we listen, here's a brief word on HousingWire's newest podcast. Right now, more than ever, the housing industry has been having honest conversations about how race impacts the home buying process. To heighten the discussion, HousingWire is launching Honest Conversations, a new mini podcast series to examine the state of minority home ownership in America. For eight weeks starting in February, please join HousingWire Daily each Wednesday as we aim to provide listeners with a greater perspective on how race, housing, and wealth intersect and what experts are doing to close the home ownership gap. crazy to think that this is our second Monday morning cup of coffee in the new year. I don't think it's fully hit me that it's flying by already. (laughs) Yeah, soon it'll be December and uh, we'll be right back to where we were. Uh, I have been talking to friends about buying homes and realizing the timeline that some of them are already looking now, the market's so hot. And I'm like, no, it's so far away if your lease ends end of March. And no, it's it's right around the corner. Indeed, yeah, and and uh, I think it's going to be a really interesting home buying season as well because typically you see seasonal trends emerge, you know, and there, there's a big slowdown in, in the winter months, but that is not happening right now, and I think that cycle may have been broken by the COVID-related impacts on the economy, and so my wife and I are, are looking for a like a major fixer-upper. I mean, like a total. It looks like you know a, a bomb went through it, and then we're going to be pretty much rebuilding new and. Um, they're really hard to find because even, even those homes are, are getting picked dry, you know, the homes yeah. that would have typically sat on the market for 250, wow. well, you know, yeah. so here we are. You should document that whole journey once you guys, and I hope you guys are able to find that definitely document it, YouTube, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'm happy to share some of the, uh, <laughs> some of the please. pictures we eventually close on it, but it looks 
Um, it's it's a project. Um, my wife is pretty nervous as she should be. So, but we'll, we'll see. We're also really excited. I love that you bring that up because I, this isn't one of the questions that we usually ask in my market copy, but on the note of the buying season is we, so our neighbors just listed their house and everyone's like, oh, people don't buy in the winter because of the snow and all that. We got probably four inches of snow over the weekend. So Saturday during the day, and they still had back to back showings all weekend to me, which is a testament of snow is not stopping anyone. <laughs> they had a full day of listings where everyone just trekked through four inches of snow because they wanted to see the house. Yeah. Well, and you're in such a hot market too in Colorado. So such a hot market. Snow is not stopping anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, for those who don't know, we're excited to be live again. On our weekly Monday morning cup of coffee, I have my coffee here always by my side, tried and true. Um, I should have a, a mug. My husband stopped and got coffee this morning. Uh, but with that, I'm excited to have James here. Um, and I want to make sure I, I have your new exciting title right right now. It's managing editor of the newsroom. It is. Yep. yep. For those who don't know, um, James is bringing so much knowledge to the newsroom, a lot of great deep reporting. If you're not signed up for Lending Life, I'm going to plug that here. It's a great piece um, that I'm sure you'll talk about today, Um, but we're excited to have you on Monday Morning Cup of Coffee today and going live with us. Thanks, Brenna. Yeah, kicking off our first question, we always like to ask, um, I know you and I have talked about some of the big pieces you have coming out this week, but what's something that you're closely watching right now? So we've got a few things that I'm going to talk about. The first is, you know, and and in sort of like journalistic norms, they have something called the Friday news dump, which is, oh, we don't want to get a lot of press on this, or um, we we want to bury this, and you know, people go home, they want to leave early, just fewer folks reading the news at that point. So a lot of news ends up coming in like mid Friday afternoon, and um, typically it's bad news or, or news that people don't want out there. Um, in this case. Uh, the news is a little bit different. And the news was, of course, that yet another mortgage company is going public. It is not my local credit union. Um, I think they'll be the, they'll be going pretty soon, I expect. Uh, but um, it's actually HomePoint, which, of course, is mostly a wholesale lender. They're based out in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, HomePoint is interesting because, you know, they've only been around since 2015. And they have some some pretty fairly good-sized names, uh, running the company and they they've really developed into a sizable wholesale lender back in 20 i don't have the stats in front of me right now i should have i should have done this ahead of time um not not only in 2018 they had originated about i believe it was 10 point something billion in in volume yeah in 2018 oh, wow. and now they're up to 47 billion Wow. Which is, you know, partly because the, the market is insane. And if you're not making money and you're not originating billions, like it's got to be a money laundering scheme or some sort of pyramids. I don't know. It's some sort of scheme, but it, it seems almost impossible to me that you could not be making a ton of money right now. And, and true to form, HomePoint is doing really well. Um, but they're they're kind of a funny company in that they're, um, they're, they're really leaning into the broker channel, which people expect, you know, is, is going to boom in the next few years, uh, typically a little bit more purchase oriented, you know, because brokers are by nature consumer facing, right? Um, but they've uh, they've also got a, an, an interesting model in that they service all their loans, you know, and historically a lot of the wholesalers have not done that. Uh, but they've got about 307,000 mortgages being serviced right now. And their servicing book is about 
think it's close to 70, yeah, $75 billion. Um, and that's up from 48 billion even yeah. a year ago. So they're, um, they're a really, really interesting company. And they've got um, a, a pretty a pretty solid story. So uh, we don't know how much they're going to be trying to raise. You know, they have a placeholder on the S1, which is, is sort of like the, the corporate uh, requirement for filing with the SEC, but uh, the placeholder is 100 million. I'm guessing they're gonna be looking to raise at least $500 million. And um, as is the case with a lot of these, these um, you know, IMB lenders is, is their, their private equity backed. So they have a Greenwich, Connecticut based um, backer. And uh, I'm sure, you know, they, they looked around and they said, wait, they're, they're making money. They're going public. They're going public. They're making money. They're going public. They're making, we should probably do that too. So here we are. And, uh, you know, sources tell me that they've, they've been talking about this for many months. You know, you can't just put this together and like, wow few days and a weekend and you know it's uh, it takes some time so uh, sources of mine told me that the, the talks really really accelerated in um late summer early fall and now they're happening and um i have it on pretty good authority that they should be going public march at the latest probably february so oh, wow. and, and uh, that'll that'll be a little little after uwm of course which is the biggest wholesale lender and they're going to be going public on January 22nd, and they're going via SPAC, and yeah. they're looking at a $16 billion valuation. So we don't know what HomePoint is going to be, but um, it's definitely not going to be $16 billion. You know, it's going to be a good bit smaller. Do you want to jump in real fast right there? Um, interesting that I write the people movers here at Housing Wire, and I even just had to that context of HomePoint Capitals, they just had the people mover come across it. They just um, yeah, they tapped... Did. Fannie Mae executive Andrew Bonsell for the chairman of the board. And for those who don't know, I mean, he was at uh, Andrew Bonsell is a big name to get over and have name. as chairman of your board. So that's huge yeah. news. So just wanted to tie that in real fast selfishly as the people mover writer. I, I think, I think it's also interesting because, you know, I, I haven't spoken to Andrew personally, but um, I, I've spoken to a lot of people over the last few months that, that have followed Fannie and Freddie and, mm-hmm. You know, the waning days of the Trump administration, and I think there are a lot of questions about whether they could leave conservatorship. It, it seems very unlikely, and, and given um, kind of the regulatory ethos of the expected administration for Joe Biden, you know, mm-hmm. leaving conservatorship is, I think, highly unlikely. Um, but a lot of those guys at Fannie, you know, this is what they've been building toward. They've been also really, really fortunate this year. They've made a lot of money, like way more money than they've ever made in, you know, over the last decade or so. So it's, um, it's the kind of thing where, where a lot of people have left Fannie Mae and, and Freddie Mac as well. And, um, you know, that would have been the biggest IPO in history, right? Or like by a country yeah. mile, you know, the, the size of Fannie Mae going public would have, you know, it's like a Ramco of, of the US. Um, and, and, you know, to jump down to a home point, like maybe not as, as glorious as grand, but, um, but yeah, Andrew's definitely gonna, gonna have a nice payday. And, and also Phil Shoemaker, you know, similar thing. He was at Caliber for many years and, um, you know, he's a really, really bright guy who knows a lot about the industry, highly respected, really smart dude. And he definitely wanted, um, to go, or sources told me that he wanted to go public with Caliber and it didn't happen. And, you know, I don't know that it's ever going to happen with Caliber. You know, they were going to go public, um, and then in October, you know, Guild Mortgage had a pretty disappointing day on Wall Street, and uh, Caliber said, oh, "You know what? Mm, why don't we, why don't we wait? Let's see how this thing goes." 
and they may not make it at all. So um, we'll see. But but yeah, Andrew's going to get a good payday. Phil's going to get a good payday. Um, I have to think a lot of private equity backers in Greenwich, Connecticut are going to be really pleased about this. And you know, who will think of the private equity guys, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, from there, I think IPOs. It's fascinating how much how long that conversation has been able to continue outside of the IPO world. What is something that you're most interested in right now? What has piqued your interest in the news cycle? So, yeah, I, I broke the story on Monday or Tuesday of last week that Guaranteed Rate was acquiring Stearns, which is, you know, it's a multi-channel lender. And um, back in the day, I mean, Stearns was big. They were really big and, and they had a big name. And, and um, I think in 2013, they were the biggest wholesale lender in the country and they, they've got a, a pretty interesting guy, you know, who founded the company in Glenn Stearns and, and they have, um, you know, distributed retail model. They have a pretty good tech stack. They've got a lot of veterans who, who know underwriting, you know, the ins and outs, they've got mm-hmm. compliance people, um, but they're, they've been owned by Blackstone, you know, outright for a few years now. And then they went through bankruptcy and, um, you know, they went from being a pretty conservative company to like an ultra conservative company um, under Blackstone, which is, you know, they, they care about returns and, and not being embarrassed. And that's really uh-huh. kind of how they see things. And, and um, you know, and then going to guarantee rate is a totally different kind of game. You know, this is the land of the billion dollar LO. It's got like a very rah-rah bro-y kind of sales culture. Um, it's got the president's club, you know, it's sort of kind of a hard charging shop where um, it, it doesn't, it, it isn't, I don't think of it as terribly conservative. You know, I, I think of it as kind of like a loud retail player with a footprint all over the place. And, um, you know, they, they have a lot of ambition and they, they want to be competing with the Rockets and the UWMs. And, um, you know, this this acquisition gets gets a guaranteed rate up from 73 billion during the best year ever to close to 100 billion, you know? And that's that's where you really start to compete. Um, it propels them way into the top 10. Um, I don't think they're top five yet, but they're, they're probably in that like eight, nine range, maybe a little bigger. Um, you know, and, and this is going to, this is going to be a significant acquisition. And um, so I, I've got a feature coming hopefully today. I've, I've got a few other meetings, so I need to get back to some writing at some point, but um, <laughs> you know, it's a, uh, I'm going to focus a lot on, on kind of the corporate culture, you know, Stearns is, is very different than a guaranteed rate. Uh, culturally, you know, who stays, who goes, you know, what does this do to a combined company? Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people at Stearns may, may feel like the shackles have been taken off, that they're, they're able to really um, kind of, you know, be a little more aggressive and, and um, kind of play the game a little differently. Mm-hmm. And some may end up getting consolidated and looking for the exits. You know, that's, that's how these things work. Company buys another. And do you need two CFOs? Do you need, you know, two of this, two of that. There, there are always redundancies that are kind of baked into that. And I, I think other people are going to be pretty scared. And then you factor in that they're going to have, you know, ostensibly standalone businesses with the, the JVs and partnerships and um, kind of the, the access to the wholesale channel that's supposedly going to remain under Stearns. But, you know, guaranteed rates CEO, Victor Sertelli has, has a reputation for being a very hands-on leader. And so uh, I think there are a lot of questions about how that that kind of partnership is going to work. So I'm going to be following that. And and I really did want to dive much deeper into the partnership itself and, 
you know, what, what guarantee rate is acquiring when they pick up a company like Stearns. So um, I've got a pretty uh, well-researched, <laughs> I, I like to think well-researched, um, you know, Definitely. not think is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> As someone who's um, read your lending life is, and that was going to be, I did want to jump in there real fast. That's going to be my next, if you could dive into the JV world, which I think you were about to do naturally, yeah. um, maybe tease a little bit. So people read the story too. Sure. <laughs> am I giving away too much of the show? <laughs> yeah, maybe I am. Um, so yeah, you know, Stearns is, is really, um, they're, they're probably one of the, the, the forerunners of the JV mortgage uh, movement, which is really big and, and guaranteed rate, in fact, itself is, is really um, good with certain types of JVs. And, and I, I want to stress that JVs are, are very, very complicated. Um, they're, they're really hard deals to put together. Um, you need so much compliance and regulation and legal and, you know, you need people who know how to do the underwriting. And it's just like a, a sea of lawyers get involved in that kind of thing. And so back in the day, you know, they, the uh, the folks at Stearns, they've they put together a lot of really big JVs. And, and the most, the best known one is um, with SoFi, you know, the digital lender. I think if you're our age, Brenna, you probably have student loans that you refinance yep. with SoFi yep. or, or are through them anyway. And, yep. you know, and you have your like, I don't remember what they call it, but they you have like like your own rep, right? Yep. And um, and so so they, they have a partnership with Stearns to do mortgage lending. Um, and it's not, I want to be careful with the way I say this. It's not the best run JV from multiple sources. And, and those sources mostly told me that it was on SoFi's end, you know, it's, it's a company that's built to do a certain thing. And then you ask people who just don't have the experience in, in knowing, you know, how to get, get certain documents or, you know, for a mortgage is, is totally different than dealing with student loans, right? Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, the handoff is often um, in, in football parlance, it leads to fumbles. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but SoFi is going public. It's a huge company. Um, you know, they, they had an investor meeting the other day and they talked a lot about mortgages, which is not something they've ever really done. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's really something to watch. And, and I want to bring up a few others. Um, the one that people don't really talk about, but is actually... The, the crown jewel of the, the JV lineup for Stearns is KB Homes. You know, they're a huge home builder and that is like, that's pure purchase business and it's sticky and KB is a really well-run big home builder. You know, they have a great reputation. They have another legion of lawyers, you know, who go through these things. And um, that business, according to sources of mine, is highly profitable. And, and so while guaranteed rate, um, and I, I keep giving too much away here, they're, they're very interested in SoFi. <laughs> they're, they're very interested in SoFi, um, but I, I think their accounts are going to be a lot happier with KB Homes. Yeah. I do want to clarify too, most people know, but sometimes I know we can get in the, in the weeds a little bit that JV is joint, joint ventures. Joint venture, yes. Yep. It's not junior varsity mortgage lender, <laughs> no. Junior varsity, the JV team over there. Um, yeah. So for for those who don't know, it's all the joint venture programs that they're they get through the acquisition of Stearns, which I mean, it's a lot from SoFi to KB Homes. Those are two major ones. Um, and I know I think James is being pretty humble when he says his source work and he thinks he's done a lot a lot of research. He has. I can say that with, uh, say that for him. And um, 
just alone from some of the work and the quotes that he've done, whether it's the impact of the SoFi news. I mean, we all know that SoFi has tried and has looked at the mortgage industry before to KB Homes and everyone's watching how we need new home sales, two really big um, kind of moves that I know you're diving into. And I'm, I'm sure this isn't even the end of the story since they will, I mean, IPOs are coming and stuff like that. So with with our last five minutes, I always like to close out the same question as like, is there anything else like you, you'd like to add or want our listeners to know? Well, I think it's interesting because We've seen so many companies go public and um, the sources that I've been speaking to for this story about guaranteed rate and Stearns, you know, for the most part, I, I think 10 out of the 11 said that they believe that this is sort of the prelude to an IPO and for, for its, um, you know, that the people at guaranteed rate are not talking and they didn't give me a specific reason for not talking. They, they simply said no comment or declined to comment. And, and typically that is um, indicative of either, you know, an SEC mandated quiet period or they just don't like me. And I think I'm pretty likable. So I don't think it's that, uh, but I'll the, um, that. thank you. I'll vouch for you. I just need more love. That's all. Um, but, but I, I do think that there's, there's a really good likelihood that this does lead to another IPO from guaranteed rate with Stearns. You know, it, it brings them, as I said, closer to that $100 billion number for originations. It brings them more experienced people. You know, Victor has historically run uh, a pretty tight shop with just a few lieutenants that he really trusts, but this brings a lot more experience in underwriting and compliance. It brings some JVs. It brings them closer with, you know, a company that's going public itself and SoFi. You know, it brings them so much more. And and here's the big one, the one that I, I think should be obvious if you've been listening closely. Guarantee rate is backed by private equity. Private equity wants to go public. They always want to go public. It is so rare that private equity doesn't invest and thinks, you know what, what could our exit here be? Um, and I think it's worth noting that Blackstone is taking uh, a stake in guaranteed rate as part of this deal from selling Stearns. And they could have just gotten out and said like, you know what? I think, I think we've made our money back. We've pumped however much, let's say it's, you know, a few hundred million dollars into Stearns, rescued them from bankruptcy, you know, steered the ship into the harbor. And now we get our fee and we, we say, you know, I bid you adieu. Um, mm-hmm. They probably don't speak French, but <laughs> so why would they do this? Right. So, so they're getting something because guaranteed rate is a company that is growing, whether it's through acquisitions or, you know, whatever they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to remain in the game because they think there's a bigger payoff. You know, they're not doing this as a, some sort of charitable enterprise. Um, and so, you know, when you look at it, Thomas H. Lee Partners, they have um, a very significant stake in guaranteed rate. And then you have Blackstone as well. And so even if, you know, Victor and his team wanted to remain independent and, and kind of run the company as he sees fit without regulators and, you know, annoying lawyers and analysts and, you know, other busy bodies who are annoying them and asking them all kinds of questions about this and that, um, you know, he may not get a choice anymore because private equity at the end of the day says, look, dude, we gave you this much money. This is the time. Yeah. That's that. I would uh, selfish. Uh, once again, I, I will be here to promote all our great pieces of content that housing wire is pumping out. But uh, coincidentally, guaranteed rate is also the spotlight of our kudos feature in uh, February, the the February issue. And I think if anything's just indicative of how hands-on he is, I think you can see it through the charitable arm and every single application that comes through the Guaranteed Rate Foundation for where where to give their money to, he reads every single application. And that's just on their charitable arm. That will 
go into every other part of the company. Um, and so something definitely to watch and appreciate all your coverage, James. I know all readers are definitely interested. Um, I don't know if we said it already, but you can catch James at Jay Kleiman at housingwire.com. Um, we touch on a lot of big issues from IPOs to joint ventures to acquisitions um, to some of the top non-banks, IMBs in the industry. There's a lot here to unpack that I know James would, uh, has an open inbox to hear more from. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate it. And uh, if you have any questions, you know, hit me up on email or Twitter and um, I look forward to speaking to you. That's perfect. Well, uh, cheers to the start of the week and we will catch everyone online. Have a great day, James. You too. Bye. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Elsina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.